Thank you for tuning into the brand, the sports marketing podcast. I'm your host, Crystal, aka Chris Quirino. On our show, we talk about all things sports marketing from NIL to reviewing case studies. And I'm no expert myself. I'm here to learn and grow with you guys. So let's talk about it. On today's show, I have a very special guest, Miss Rachel Meng. She is an extraordinary woman that is more than generous with her time. Uh, she is truly a gem. Rachel is the owner of Gen Agency, who believe in democratizing the creator economy and influencer marketing agencies specializing in influencer management, branded campaigns, event and media production, as well as NIL education and consulting. So keep listening to learn how to leverage your network and optimize your name. Here we are at the brand podcast, the sports marketing podcast here with Rachel. Um, Rachel, if you would, you want to go ahead and introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about you. Yeah, yeah. So I am the CEO and founder of Gen Agency. Uh, we're an influencer marketing agency that specializes in the one-to-one brand management of brand deals for influencers. So pairing like a Nike with an influencer, or if Nike has already reached out to an influencer, we kind of help both sides through that process. We also do brand campaigns. Um, so everything from the ideation, the writing, uh, creating the, the campaign brief, sending it out to creators, recruiting, all the way through posting and postmortem. We also have our event side, so everything from a small RSVP list to a Botox party, all the way up to a, all the way up to um, a multi-day experiential event. And then we have our NIL side, and that side is specifically helping NIL athletes, um, universities, athletic programs, etc., um, with teaching what NIL is, specifically in influencer marketing because NIL is all about social media marketing now. And then the other side of it is actually helping collectives, agencies, marketplaces with influencer marketing tactics. So that can be anything from finding athletes to fit into any of those campaigns to helping the athletes that they have in any of those campaigns make good marketable content uh, because that's one of the biggest problems in the NIL space. And then the last part is also helping them with all the analytics, the postmortem, and helping them make media kits from all of those things. Awesome. So it's it's safe to say you're busy. Yeah, very <laughs> busy. Yeah. yeah. Um, what does the process look like? Like, how do you go about finding um, somebody that you want to bring onto your agency or do they have to reach out to you? What does that process look like? Yeah, yeah. So specifically um, with the influencers that we work with, we've been really lucky. Um, every influencer that we have in the agency or have worked with before, talked with, they've actually come to us. Um, Our first group of influencers was in the finance space. And then from then on, it was like every creator had a different referral uh, from a different creator. It could have even come from videographer. It could have come from meeting me at an event. It could have come from, you know, someone somewhere meeting someone that had met someone in our agency. So we've been really lucky there. Um, As far as athletes go, same exact thing. It's really just been a lot of referrals. Um, a lot of parents tend to find us and then ask if they can sit down for office hours, ask some questions. So same thing with brands. Pretty much everything has been um, word of mouth referrals. And then we've been lucky to get some awards along the way. And that's obviously helped a little too. Yeah. So you mentioned parents reaching out to you and I have a 10 year old son. And this is how the whole idea for me came about because, he, you know, every every 10 year old, especially a 10 year old boy, wants to uh, be a pro ball player at one point, right? Mm-hmm. So my son's kind of in that space right now. And um, at what age do you think is the right age for us to start like getting a reel together or like social media? Because like you said, social media is so big in this space right now. Like how do parents like me that don't know anything about the space really um, go about figuring this out for our kids? 
Mm-hmm. So funny you mentioned that. Uh, the other day, I had some parents in my office hours and was talking them through like what NIL is, how to work with managers if they want one, um, you know, things they should look out for, contracts, really the basic things. Uh, and right towards the end, I just asked like, yeah, by the way, like how old is your son? I, I didn't ask. I know he's in flag football. Eight. <laughs> uh, so <laughs> parents are starting very, very early. Uh, you know, the whole momager, dadager, that's alive and well, but it's not a bad thing. Um, I think you know, it's, I don't want to say that it's never too early to start with your child. Um, I think, you know, we live in an age where parents are always taking videos. They're always Mm -hmm. creating content of their children anyways. Um, I think when it comes to a brand working with a child, you know, um, or just working with individuals in general on social media campaigns, how they work with them really is based on their audience and then based on who that individual is. So when I say based on audience, that means Um, The amount of followers you have, like what location they're based in, how old they are, what they're interested in, um, you know, what uh, demographics they fall in. If that matches the brand, that's when the brand will actually activate and work with that individual. So when you're like a very young child, uh, you're probably not attracting a lot of people and followers. So you're not necessarily going to get those social media deals. As you get older, you're obviously acquire more followers as you, you know, meet more people, as you go out and follow more people, or as you get notoriety for your sport. So uh, I don't want to say it's never too young, but I would definitely say, you know, my caveat is uh, let your child enjoy <laughs> No, definitely. I agree. Um, then you also mentioned something about, you know, getting a lot of referrals and, and things of that sort. Is there anything in particular that you look for um, in an athlete or somebody trying to have you ever actually turned anybody away because maybe they don't fit your agency or you don't think they would be a good fit for the brands that you work with? Maybe they don't have enough um, of a following on social media? Yes and no. So, with the influencers yes we do end up turning people away um for management which basically means like any of their brand deals but we actually do a community program so uh we partner with beacons ai which is a all-in-one creator tool um everything from media kits invoicing to uh like any other tools that a creator may need we actually uh have access to their database which is over three million creators so that's part of our community program and the rest of our community program is creators that you know i have met along the way or our creators have met along the way that maybe don't fit into our creator management group. Um, So they may be a little bit smaller than what we know that we can guarantee Mm -hmm. brand deals for. Um, They may be outside of the areas that we do have brand relationships in. And then lastly, they may just be uh, their engagement or something that they do in their like creator journey may just not fit in. And the reason I said that is just because like our job as managers is to help the creator. It's to help them find jobs. It's to help them do get into events. It's to help them to get PR opportunities. We have them. So I never want to work with someone that I'm not confident that my team can actually help them because I think really that's, you know, tying them to something that's going to sink them. Um, I'd rather them go to an agency or even on their own, like make their own money doing, you know, their own management. And then with athletes is actually interesting. We don't manage athletes. So we don't manage student athletes. We don't manage brand deals. We don't offer brand deals to student athletes. So a little bit different than a lot of other groups, but we provide that education. So when it comes to providing education on a one-on-one basis, the main thing we look for is a student athlete actually being dedicated. Um, You know, the problem is that student athletes, you know, we're shoving them in this, Mm -hmm. this NIL world and influencer world. And 
they're young. They're probably like 18 to 23. Uh, there's a whole maturity side to it, but they probably never had a job. They don't know how to make content. They're trying to balance their schedules. They're trying to find out who they are. So they've got a hundred things that they have to worry about that, you know, NIL, building social media, um, talking, having meetings with all these brands, like is probably not their first priority. And honestly, it shouldn't be because getting a degree and staying eligible in college is actually the main point of them being there. So um, when we work with athletes, we do try to make sure that they're dedicated in that they can set aside an hour or two a week to work with us. Or if we're helping them with a campaign with their agent, um, we just want to make sure that they're listening to the guidance we're giving them. There are FTC guidelines, there are SEC guidelines, there are uh, brand compliance rules, and all those things have to be followed so they don't lose their eligibility or don't uh, lose their contract and potentially like their revenue. So we just want to make sure that the athlete understands that we'll actually do the things that we're asking. So speaking of their revenue and things like that, do you, I know there's like a really high percentage of athletes, um, particularly professional athletes that, you know, go broke essentially after what mm -hmm. I think is like five years or something of playing. Yeah. Do you guys set up um, these athletes to kind of avoid that? or try and diminish that and teach them about, you know, financial literacy. Mm -hmm. So the nice thing is actually to start off with the craziest thing is that um, some of the sports suites recently told me that 80% of professional athletes end up in a worse financial situation than they entered the league at, which is crazy because these athletes earn, you know, NFL wise, the minimum for practice squad is in the hundreds of thousands. The minimum rookie contract is, I believe, over $500,000 per year, um, which seems like a lot of money. But when you think about it, like that athlete, your career in the NFL is most likely going to be three years or less. So you have three years to earn that money. Let's call it 1.5 million. That's your job. Like you've, we've worked our whole lives to get to that professional status. And once we get there, the money that we have, of course, there are goals like buying a home for yourself. You know, if you have a spouse, like maybe spoiling them, spoiling your parents, whatever it is, that money goes fast. Um, and, you know, when you're at that tax bracket, it's only tax money that comes out of it. So those are like even the minimal things that people just don't think of. Um, and what it comes down to is you're right, like having the correct team around you. Um, we don't work with, college athletes or professional athletes as like financial literacy coaches. There are a lot out there. We partner with a lot of great ones. So we don't really set them up for success on the financial side, but we do counsel them on, you know, even on NIL deals, like you need to pay taxes on these. Yeah. You need to fill out like a W-9, whatever it is. And those are important things along the way that they start understanding financial literacy. They start like understanding a little bit more. Um, and then, you know, when it comes to the professional side, we do work with some professional athletes too. And when we start talking about NIL, when we start talking about money, a lot of them, again, like we have an athlete right now. Um, he was a Michigan State football player. Then he uh, dabbled like in different professional leagues, became an influencer, and he just got signed to the Dallas Cowboys. And he's on their practice squad. And he actually signed his NFL contract without an agent. So you can do it, but now he's like slowly building up a team around him. And, you know, that's a lot of what it is, is like these athletes don't always have all the resources around them. Um, so if we can be a resource, like great. And if we can provide some connections to some resources that are really, really good that we've met along the way, we definitely will. But when it comes to professional athletes, um, even like influencers, even uh, NIL athletes, like you have to find your team. And one thing that the NFL athletes get is, you know, player engagement, they will help them along the way a little bit, but it is again, just like finding the right people. Yeah. 
So you've mentioned a lot about NIL name image likes, right? And um, brand partnerships and brand marketing and stuff. Can you tell us what the difference is just because, you know, we're trying to educate our audience here and um, what are the main, main differences or factors that go into each one? Mm-hmm. The crazy thing is that NIL marketing, um, when it comes to the social media brand deal side is literally influencer marketing. And, um, an article just came out today that the influencer marketing space is worth $250 billion, a big jump from the past years. And I mean, even since COVID hit, I think that's really when we saw like the biggest jump. So it really is technically the same thing. It is, you know, finding an influencer, whether it's an individual in the lifestyle space or whether it's a student athlete who, again, has the following or has the notoriety that a brand is looking to attach their brand to. And that also they feel has some level of influence uh, that people will look at them and follow what they do, buy what they do, whatever it is. Um, And then getting them to create content on social media or even for commercials or even for ads, whatever it is, that is good content, makes someone want to buy something, download something, follow someone, do whatever, and then making sure that they get paid. So really is the same thing. It's actually interesting. Uh, Endorsement marketing is what all these professional athletes do. So like Mm -hmm. Travis, Pat Mahomes, right? Like they're endorsing uh, Subway. They're endorsing uh, Shaq endorses like a printer at Staples. So that's actually different than NIL marketing, which again is really targeting the specific audience of their social media accounts, or they're just very, very close community and like general geological location. Um, So when like you think about NIL, the really big thing is like thinking about it as influencer marketing. The average deal is like anywhere up to um, you know, at some HBCUs, it's only $500 at some, you know, general athlete level. It's maybe up to like $3,000. Yeah. It's not like millions and millions that you see this less than 1% of athletes getting. So when it comes to NIL marketing, if you think about it really as like influencer marketing as local marketing, that's kind of where the most success is. Hey, $500 for a college student, like I'll take it. That's, really, that's some books. That's a couple weekends back to back. Like yeah. it is, you know, that's your hair. That's your nails. Well, a couple weeks. That's a popular I bottle would, at a club. <laughs> I would have taken it. Like I would have taken the money easy. Yeah, me too. Like you're sitting there, you're creating content. You're having a good time. And also I think what they don't think about too is, and I, someone else has said this, that it's essentially an internship for a few years. Yeah. Um, it really is like learning the job skills of networking, of talking to, you know, brands in actual formal interviews, of working with someone like a manager, like an agency, more mm-hmm. one-on-one, um, and even, you know, making the content of learning how to use something exactly. like CapCut, like TikTok, like Instagram, finding music, learning about what uh, influencer marketing is. Like, it really is job experience um, because there are jobs out there, like the Mets years ago hired an influencer, essentially, to run their social media. The, you know, brands will hire uh, our influencers in our IRP program to post and assist the social media team of brands. So it really is like a job that they're learning how to do when they're in college. Yeah, definitely. I um, follow this lady um, or girl, I don't know what you want to call her, but she um, was pretty much a house cleaner and she started Mm -hmm. just, you know, recording herself talking about her favorite products and stuff. And a lot of it was um, the scrub daddy. And now she's Mm -hmm. like the director or I think it's a director of marketing or something and just from creating content like that's crazy to me but it's amazing like my son I Mm -hmm. told him uh, he has a job now he said so I told him you know what yeah he has a job (laughs) I'm like uh do the video editing he learned CapCut in like a night he stayed up till three in the morning kids today are so smart it scares me my uh my niece she we gave her like a phone she's two right 
She obviously knows how to use a phone. Yeah. She already FaceTimes people off mm-hmm. my phone. She gets her hands on it. I'll unlock it for her. She goes straight to FaceTime, goes to my mom, goes to my <laughs> boyfriend, goes to everyone. Sometimes she'll call my like job colleagues and I'm like, Damn, <laughs> sorry, that wasn't me. Um, we gave her like a fake cell phone, ha- took it over, started pressing on it. She goes, no. I'm like, she knows it's fake. Yep. Try to check her. Try to give her something instead of my phone. But they're too smart these days. Yeah. My my daughter at that age was like on YouTube. Like she could she couldn't even read or write, but she could uh-huh. freaking function. It was funny. She could swipe. She, they would swipe. Yeah, with yep. their little fingers. Mm-hmm. It was so cute. Um, so how did you go about? I know you th- you tell us a little bit about how you got into this whole um realm. For yeah. Yeah. So. It's interesting. Um, yeah, you know, growing up in high school, uh, I played a lot of sports. Uh, I did everything but volleyball. I guess. I was going to college, and you know, I was getting recruited for field hockey. I was getting recruited for violin, and I was getting recruited for rowing uh, to be a coxswain. So, of course, I chose being a coxswain because who else like wants to go to a Big Ten school and sit there and steer the boat? Um, so I went to Rutgers. Uh, was a student athlete. And, you know, during my time there, I started out pre-med biomedical engineering, uh, which was difficult, but also didn't fit great within our schedule. Um, And as I kind of went along about two years in, I started being like the athlete representative for all the student athletes at university. I started being in our SAC, which is our advisory advisory council. Um, I started, you know, branching out in student government and all these things. And along the way, I really realized that only some sports were getting all this extra money, like, you know, their own locker rooms, their own like food stipends, et cetera. And that wasn't something that my team was getting. Um, and, you know, I won athlete of the game so many times. My face was all over the stadium um, during games. And then, you know, I actually worked with our uh, donors in just a volunteer capacity of talking to them, like of what being a student athlete was like, of how much I appreciated them. And I realized like I wasn't necessarily getting any more benefits than just being a student athlete and having a scholarship. Um, So it was kind of there that in my head, it like formulated like the idea of NIL and me realizing that I wanted to start a company to help people um, to democratize the space Mm -hmm. of media, of sports, of social media, marketing, all of it. Um, So then everything I did from that point was really just making sure that number one, I was making connections, I was networking, I was making a name for myself. Number two, that I was learning different departments of companies. So every, you know, company that I worked for was either in, you know, the marketing side, was maybe in the analytics side, was in the finance side, just like understanding how that side of business worked because I knew I was going to start my own company. And then lastly, it was really about just working for companies I could tie my name to, like the PGA, like Team USA, US Rowing, like uh, the Mets, like, you know, boxing companies. So that's kind of like what I ended up doing for the next few years. And then um, worked at the Mets for nine months, got everything I needed there on the sales side, left. Um, and that's really when I started my first company. TikTok ended up bringing me on as an official partner in the learn on TikTok side. So pre-COVID, remember, it was like dancing, yeah. singing, kind of like fun. Nowadays, it's like that DIY, that education, that influencer monetization. It's part of the cohort that actually helped move it from what it was previously to what it is now. So gained a lot of skills there, met a lot of influencers there, um, started the agency. And then, you know, the agency nowadays, what's nice is I'm the sole founder. I'm the sole, uh, you know, partner left of our group. And I really get to move us into the sports space because that's kind of you know, where my passion has always been, what I always knew I wanted to do. And I get to take the experience of being a student athlete, of working with the donors, of, you know, working on the football staff, of being on the front office side, and then working with college athletes, working with professional athletes, and then um, even working on like the front office sales side. 
put it all together. And that's kind of like what we do with our student athletes and our professional athletes now is all the experience that I've gained that my team has gained from working in there is like how we ended up where we are today on the sports side. That's amazing. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, and you said networking, right? And a lot of us say like networking is big. It's, it's important. What does networking look like for you? Like, how did you go about doing it so well to get you where you are now at such a young age? Yeah, honestly, I, <laughs> I've been saying I'm, I'm 30 since I was 18. And like nowadays, <laughs> I feel like every time someone asks my age, I just inflate my age because I, you know, in college, I didn't really go out a lot. Um, a lot of what I did was like go to practice at 6 to 9 a.m., go to classes, go back to practice at 3 p.m. for lifting, go again to class, and then just go to um, student groups. Or, you know, I was lucky enough to work with the chancellor at Rutgers. I was lucky enough to be on the student government. I led, um, you know, different groups and organizations. And I spent all my time really like building up my job skills, building mm -hmm. up who I was. So, you know, a little bit different. Uh, I've like always had this mindset of like, let's call it greater good or like what I wanted to be my future self, what I wanted to do to help people. So that's kind of always been like my North Star personally um, and what I've done this whole time. Networking really is like not only who you meet, but it's the relationships that you yep. keep. It's the questions that you ask, you know, it's the opportunities you put yourself up for. Um, and like throughout my whole career, it really has been, you know, when I was with Team USA, I would call that probably my one internship that like put me in a spotlight really gave me the most responsibility um, because I had just come off of the PGA tour before that, which was, you know, kind of grunt work. Uh, but at um, us rowing, I actually got to help run like the Olympic trials for um, men's pairs, which is a boat. Uh, I actually got to like manage all the volunteers. I got to work with all the officials and like the U S um, Olympic committee and help design programs, help even like work with Nike and boathouse of their gear and like get it out to the athletes. So I had so much responsibility. Um, I think that's where I really got this like idea of like being able to do it myself and, you know, that was like the internship that kind of changed my perspective and jumped me into this space. So met some great people there that I still speak with. Um, and everywhere along the way, I always just make a, you know, a goal of speaking to everyone in the room, of telling them what I do, asking them what they do, maybe some projects they're working on, where they're from, because you'd be surprised. There are a lot of people from upstate New York. Um, <laughs> but, you know, from there, just making sure I make genuine connections and then keeping track of them and like circling back. You know, I had yeah. a conversation uh, the other week at an event that very random conversation, but just called them yesterday to set up a meeting for this week to talk about, you know, they have a event space and maybe some of our brands can work there. So you never know who could end up being helpful to you or that you could be helpful to, um, or even that could become like a colleague or a confidant along the way. Trust me. I know. Look at us. <laughs> I know. Exactly. Um, I know we're running out of time, but my last question, this is called the brand. Um, so would you say that Team USA was a brand that helped you kind of like level up? I know you mentioned that's like the internship that made the deal uh, or got you here. Would, would you say that that was it, the partnership that you had? Yeah, you know, I think every <clears throat> company I've worked for has helped me significantly, um, even the companies that have not helped me. You know, I, uh, I recently worked for a sports tech company that I ended up leaving them for a number of reasons. But it's so funny. I'm working on um, helping the NFL flag football uh, build out an inaugural international event. And one of the uh, vendors, let's call it, uh, actually knew from like when I had worked with a sports tech company. So it's funny that the things that you think aren't important can even just become important later. Mm -hmm. uh, so I would say 
yes, my uh, U.S. rowing, that program that I worked with, that was probably the one I think my boss was also female. Uh, and she was a very strong female, too. So I think that changed my perspective a lot as well. Um, and I would say my time at the Mets, like that will always be be near and dear to my heart. Um, most of my friends are from when I was working at the Mets. My partner, actually, he uh, he worked at the Mets, met him when I was there. Uh, so like that, of course, will always be near and dear to my heart. Um, and being able to work for such a large uh, company in that like sports is such a desired place to work um, and being able to work on the sales side and understand more of like what is sales, the tactics, um, you know, the people I met. I think that is probably like the last job that launched me, but I would say the first one that launched me was uh, U.S. rowing. Yeah, well, that's awesome. Well, I appreciate your time. Um, <clears throat> excuse me, I don't know what's happening here. Um, it's it's me coffee. I know. I, I run on coffee. I know. I filled it up halfway and I was like, I need a shower. And I ran upstairs and it's still sitting over there in my kitchen, cold probably, but um, it's nice. There- Sorry? So just put some ice in it. Make a nice coffee. There you go. Um, is there anything else you want to add? Anything else you'd like to say? Um, I'd say the coolest thing that we're doing right now, um, besides the NFL flag thing, mm-hmm. uh, we recently partnered with a studio out here in LA. Um, it's called Bueno River Studios, BRS. Uh, we have so many events coming up with them, and I'm so excited uh, to have coworkers again because, you know, I've been running the agency by myself for a while, had staff under me, but having people pretty equal to you is pretty exciting for me. Um, but we've got, you know, the ability to give our, our influencers, our athletes, like an actual location where they can get their headshots done, where they can, uh, film podcasts. John Qual, one of our creators just went in, he filmed a really cool, uh, series of content for an upcoming brand deal he has. Uh, you know, we have, um, market research in there. They're, they do commercials, they do like editorial shots. So like they do so much that it's cool for us to be able to offer it to our influencers and our athletes, That's um, awesome. which again is like what our agency is all about is about helping influencers, helping athletes, helping people in those two spaces, um, you know, really grow their business and helping it become more fair for everyone. And I will say it's not even your agency. It's just you in general, like you are amazing. I remember the first time I reached out to you and you're like, anything I can help you with. They're like, this person, I know this I person. See, that's the thing is like, when I was a student athlete, I was really, really lucky when I was in college. Even nowadays, like I was really lucky to have the network that I had. They were always so, you know, giving, bringing me out to events. One of my colleagues, um, Spence, he brings me out to TV Academy events. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I've been so lucky that people have helped me along the way. Uh, and even being like a former student athlete, I know how difficult it is to have an internship in college because you've got like 40 plus hours of practice every week. I know how difficult it is to even get an internship, to get job experience. So I'm always, always happy to like pay it forward um, and even pay it backwards, I guess, to help student athletes either answer their questions, um, help young professionals, or even honestly, like people who are also, you know, more tenured than me, the space that we're in is so niche and so new Mm -hmm. that, you know, if you can bring anyone else who's interested in the space like up to the speed that you are i really honestly believe that that's how the industry will move forward like it's not about gatekeeping it's not about keeping information from people like you're never going to bring someone good into the industry or even further the industry by not sharing the information and the you know the skills that you have exactly um i 100 percent agree and i mean hopefully one day i'm in a position where i can pay it forward because there's women like you or people in, that have helped me so much along the way that you know i, I want to do the same and i think that's part of the reason i started this podcast i obviously don't know everything i'm not in your position um, i would love to be. i don't even know everything like <laughs> i wish i did yeah um 
No, you're you're amazing. And um, where would people be able to find you or learn more about your services? Reach out. Um, yeah, yeah. So our website is genagency.co. Um, my Instagram is my name, just Rachel Mang, M-A-E-N-G. You can find all the information on social media. You can find it on the internet. Um, if you Google my name, I'm sure you can get a hold of me anywhere. Um, so if you want to get office hours, uh, link in bio, uh, on the website, but if you just want any general help, influencers, athletes, like we're here. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate your time. Till next time. Thanks.